Welcome to this episode of Let's Trap. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming out of the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. If this uh, sounds not perfect, I promise you it's only because I'm recording it on a app called Tape Recorder. Uh, my wife and in-laws and wonderful people were helping sit on up my future daughter's nursery this weekend, so all my stuff is in disarray, so I didn't have a chance to set up my quote-unquote home studio. The episode sounds beautiful. We recorded it on Zencaster, so it's great audio quality. It's just this intro. is going to sound not great, so I'll fly through this real quick, which is too bad because our great guest, uh, Michael Denniston of War Machine vs. War Horse, the most popular podcast you've never heard of. Uh, Michael's the man. It turns out a long time ago, early on, one of my very early guests, Chris Manyard, came on, and uh, I was one of the co-hosts, and what an awesome dude. I really like Chris. Um, I would love to get Chris and Mike on here together. And so that's how we end up finding each other. A little while back, I was on an episode of War Machine vs. War Horse. I talked about uh, the movie Hello, My Name is Doris, which I absolutely loved. Uh, Mike and I could probably talk for, like, hours. I swear to God, we were just a couple of uh, chatty Cathy's. Our, our buddy, uh, Dwight Hurst, was going to try and join us as a guest host. He couldn't make it. And it turns out Michael also does a show with uh, our mutual friend, uh, Peter, from... His podcast is now called Podstalgia. It used to be called Hydrate Level 4, but they do a podcast together called Original Remake. And, uh, oh, also friends with Jacob Haller. I mean, Michael and I basically have all the same podcast friends. We're in the little same crew. And uh, what is just a ton for me, who's someone who doesn't see a lot of movies, it turns out I have a lot of strong opinions like about La La Land, even though I've never watched it. Um, a lot of silliness, a lot of laughs. Uh, Michael uh, is just a great guy. Uh, so big shout-out to Michael for coming on. Make sure you check out War Machine vs. War Horse or original remake at War Machine Horse. Their uh, website is warmachinehorse.blogspot.com, Twitter, Instagram, letterboxed with a D.com slash warmachinehorse, and uh, also check out followingfilms.com. Anyway, uh, thanks, Michael, for coming on. Sorry you didn't get a proper intro. So to make it up to you, you got to come back on, bring Chris with you, or anyone, and uh, we'll have some more fun. Maybe Dwight. Something really special happened this weekend. I had made a friend on Twitter named Brianna Benjamin, at Brepo, and Twitter, and we started tweeting, and eventually she, I invited her on my podcast, she came on, we had a great time, and she's just a lovely human being, and she's in our Core Temp Arts Facebook group, which you can join, and we became friends, like, and then all of a sudden, um, as I kind of mentioned at the top, my, my wife and I are having a baby, we're very excited, she literally sent me presents, and one of them was a Flash onesie, and it's the cutest goddamn thing I've ever seen, uh, so Brianna, just... Thank you so much. It, it really meant the world to us. For anyone's excitement about our child is making us really happy. I'll try not to turn this podcast into dad cast, but I'll see what I do best. Um, I can't not talk about things I'm excited about and love. It's just who I am. Uh, make sure you uh, look, check us out on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast. Facebook, Let's Chat, Podca- Let's Chat Podcast. Instagram, oh yeah, Let's Chat Podcast on all the things. Make sure you go to coretemparts.com. Check out our other shows. This is a long intro. All right, let's get to it. Let's Chat with Revel and Friends is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, and movie podcasts. Check out our other shows, That Popped This Life, Talking Shondaland, We Got Five, and TV Ate My Brain at courtsandparts.com. The opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid to Bring Funk, Master Flex, Love, Funk, Star, Ski Doing this, I'm so excited to finally have you on I've been wanting to forever And I'm so 
bad at like getting people on that I want to because I I just do a bunch and then I stop for a month at a time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's understandable. I do, I do a very similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I have this like long list of like, I got to get all these people and then things happen and come up and then, then here we are. So vacation is time to get everything in. <laughs> do a lot of podcasting on those, those off weeks. Yeah. I'm doing like five or six this week and I've guested on a couple and then I'm not touching it for January. I'm just going to po- post them and then just have the weekend weekdays free. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm too old for that anymore. I can I can do maybe two a week, and then that's that's all the talk I have. I gotta even that's a lot. Be though. quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is. That's uh. My wife says it's far too much talking, yeah. too much out of me. So, well, I'm I, I'm curious because your uh, show is more than it's way more work. Uh, you have to watch a movie first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, I watched I watched three movies. Yeah. Uh, for every episode, it was a really stupid idea for a podcast, a movie podcast in particular, because there's <laughs> it's like six millions hours of them out there. Yeah. Six hours of work before you even get on the thing. Yeah, yeah. Before you even record, and then I edit, which is uh, oh, as as you know cool. is uh, is lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Uh, so I, I, I'm that's it's funny because I think a while back when I just started learning about non-famous podcast. War Machine was one of the first ones I kept seeing everywhere. This before I had any idea who you guys were. And um I think I found it on a mental floss list. Yeah, yeah, we we strained I don't know, I still don't know how we made made that list, but I'm incredibly thankful for whoever put us on that because that gave us uh, a large number of listeners that got added on after that that video came up. So that that's what we aspire to be. Uh, the most famous non-famous podcast out there. That might be if that's possible. That could be it, right? Like, <laughs> you guys are one of the first ones I like. When I ever found, I was like, wow. And then, like, I think, and then then you find out that it's such an incestuous community of podcasters. Like, oh, y'all know each other, but still, mm-hmm. it's still pretty fucking cool. Um, you guys have been doing it forever because I think when I found your show a few years ago, I was like, oh my god, they've been doing this forever, and that was three years ago. Well, it seems that way um, because I think like the first year I was doing it, we I mean, we reached like 100 episodes like nine or 10 months into the show just because I, I became like obsessed with mm-hmm. it. Like I just it's one of those things that I, I, I started doing with my friends just as an excuse to like talk about movies in a semi-productive way. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we created something like I could tell my girlfriend at the time i'm not just goofing off and group text um mm-hmm. we're actually going to produce something and then it, as you know podcasting you kind of take to it and it sort of takes over your life it's, it's an excuse to hang i think it's good yeah i mm-hmm. found it in my late 20s they started doing it in my late 20s and as i've hit my early 30s it's even more valuable even though it's weird i don't talk to my actual friends that much but there's like um like <laughs> there's people in this community that i feel like i talked to like dwight like our mutual friend Mr. Hurst, mm-hmm. um, like, I feel like I was talking to him the last couple of days quite a lot. And I was like, maybe I should call my mom. <laughs> maybe I should call like, my friends from high school I don't talk to instead of like Facebook messaging seven people I've never met but somehow feel a, as a friendship or a kinship with. Yeah, it's strange because over Christmas my mom was quoting something I'd said on the podcast back. And it's like I'd had that conversation with my mom without even realizing it because she was just picking up on it. And that was, that was weird. So then I have to remember like, which lies did I tell about my childhood? What stories have I made? Oh, I do. I do that too. Sometimes like crap. Should I say this? Like I'll say something and embellish (laughs) it a little. I'm like, Oh my God, someone might hear that. And I'm just glad she's not picked up on uh, Dwight Hurst's show because I I go on his podcast. Oh, I loved your uh, family man episode. Is that no, the, yeah, I almost said family guy. 
Yeah, not Family Guy, Family Family Man, yeah. that, that Nicolas Cage Christmas classic. But yeah, I sort of treat my guest spots on his show as like free therapy. <laughs> like, like I get on the couch. This. Yeah, Dwight, let him figure me Dwight out. Dwight, fix me. Actually, I was trying to get. He was trying to jump on with us today, but he wasn't able to make it. He's. Uh, I just whenever I have, I have like Dwight. Whenever I just come guest host all the time because I just. I just he's probably gonna listen to this. I just love that man. <laughs> Yeah, since he's going to listen, I will say he is the greatest podcaster I've ever met. Because I'm assuming he's listening. But if he's not listening, Fuck I would you. talk shit about him. <laughs> Fuck you, Dwight Hurst, if you're not listening. <laughs> what if it's his dad is listening? He, he doesn't know that there's... I think it's... This is weird. I shouldn't know this, but I've stalked him enough. Uh, I think his dad has the same name, or maybe someone in his family is also Dwight something Hurst. So what if they're listening to it, and they're like, what did I do? Well, we just won't specify which one we like and yeah, dislike. So. They can just they can pick for themselves. One of you Dwight's is a great human being. The other one, I mean, it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love so your appearances uh, on Broken Brain. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun to do. It's it's like you're saying. It's kind of weird how you you fall in with 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 people that you've never met in person, and uh, you end up talking to them on almost daily basis because especially with those those type of podcasts you're like talking about what you're feeling what you're going to talk about before and then you actually talk about the thing and then after it's over you talk about how did it go <laughs> so you're just always talking about the talk you know what i think is fun there must be like an equation that the better you get along with someone the more likely they live farther away from you and the chances of you meeting are slimmer <laughs> like i've yet to meet someone I, in Pro that's not true i've met one person in Pro who lives in providence <laughs> but like dwight lives in utah i live in providence like I make friends like, oh, you're New York. Maybe we can meet. I have a friend in like Washington or like Norway. I'm like, this, yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, there's actually some podcasts around Lexington, Kentucky that I've I've noticed just following my account on Twitter. And uh, I think I'm like, wow, I've never really talked to them. Should I like force myself to do so just because of proximity? But then I'm friends with, you know, Dwight out in Utah and <laughs> yeah. Dave out in the Bay Area and California and Hiro and Florida. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I got people I got all my, over. I don't, I, I don't need more Lexington than people. I got my peeps. I want to be able to go out. Yeah. It was, I don't know if you know of, uh, there's this podcast, Tell Me About Your Song, which Jacob Haller, who's in part of all of our wonderful mm -hmm. groups. I met him through podcasting. We live in the same city. And then maybe right before Christmas, I went into a store. But we had never met, but we had done the podcast together. And I, we keep missing each other. We vote, we're always at the same places, but like hours apart. But I walked in, I looked right at him, and he was looking down. I was like, I think that's Jacob. So I like hid in a corner, went on my phone, pulled up his Facebook <laughs> to check it. And I, and I, then I ran into someone I knew. So I said, hello. And I looked back. I'm like, all right, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm like, throw this guy for a loop. And I turned back and he was gone. So we've still never met. It's like a romantic comedy. It, it is. We, just... we live in the same city, and Providence is like a tiny city. So it's not like a New York where it's like, all right, whatever. But like, no, so it's it's not unlikely that we we have the same interests. So Jacob Haller, I'm coming for you. He's a good guy too. He actually told him uh, privately, and I guess I can just put it out there. He was on one of my episodes, War Machine versus Warhorse, end up being one of my favorite ones to edit because that dude just can talk. Music, oh yeah, and it was a music theme. What movies we were, we were doing? Uh, it was for I've even forgotten the new movie because me and him talked about the old one. Haven't done haven't done that one yet. I'd love to. Didn't see love it. To talk I heard about it was good. It. Uh, but it was for um, uh, Saw the Light. Um, for the the Hank Williams movie that they did, and we ended up talking oh, was that about good? a Dixie Chicks documentary. Um, and no, it's not very good. Uh, oh, I love Tom Hiddleston too. Well, he's he's good. I was gonna say the performances are fine, everything, but it just like once you see one of those 
biopics, you've kind of seen them all. Like, especially when you bring into alcoholism and that, you kind of know the beats of the story yeah. and the legend. Um, but yeah, with me and Jacob, we talked about uh, Walk the Line uh, and uh, a Dixie Chicks documentary called Shut Up and Sing. And it was a really interesting conversation. Have yeah. you seen that? Shut up. Uh, you, oh, of course you did. You probably watched all three of those movies for your podcast. You know, to, to, to be fair, there are a couple of these movies I've done on my podcast where I'm like, I think I've got this. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've watched about a half hour and I'm like, I'm good. This is this is junk. And I can just say it's junk and move on. The Dixie Chicks documentary was really good. It was, but because it, it was, I mean, I think they set out to film something entirely different. Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, we're going to go on tour. But it was that, the and then Bush that thing, right? controversy happened. Right. And so you're getting to see probably some really like kind of upsetting personal moments between the band because not all of them were totally on board with the stance that they were kind of boxed into. Like some were just like, Oh, it's no big deal. We'll just say like, you know, didn't mean it that way and apologize. And the, but, one of them left, right? Or I don't follow them ton. I, I think they, yeah, the two, cause the two of them are sisters. Yeah. I believe. And I think they kept doing musical. They didn't officially break up, but I think they just kind of did their own thing for a while. And Natalie, who's the lead singer, she was the one that was most combative, uh, which made, you know, that, that instantly she's my favorite that way because she just wouldn't put up with any shit. Um, but I think they're back. I don't know. But yeah, it, they had a whole song about that. Yeah. Like, I, I'm clearly the expert on Dixie Chicks to do Where's a podcast Jacob on them. <laughs> yeah. Dial in Jacob. But that was a really cool episode. And that's one of the few I've actually enjoyed editing because I got to pull down a lot of those clips and music. And his show is just awesome, too. As yeah, far he works as like hard. talking to singer songwriters. Yeah. Yeah. He works like hard on his. I mean, I, I think we all work hard, but I listen to other shows. I'm like, wow, I don't have that skill set. Yeah, it's easy for me to say I don't work as hard as uh, Jacob does on a show. I'll, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm yeah. good. But then I've I've, <laughs> I've but I've also had other people say that like I guess it's skill sets. Some people like editing more than talking, and some people like me like to talk more than edit. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it's it, your show will eventually sort of dictate <laughs> the workload. Yeah, like there's there's certain things you've had on my uh, co-host Chris Maynard on an early episode that you did. He was one of my first guests that I didn't know. He was like, maybe like number well, it, three or four. That was like a big deal when it happened. I was like, oh my god, this is huge, <laughs> and it was awesome. cool, dude too. I really like him. Yeah, it's it's strange because I I found a review he did uh, about a Guy Pierce movie who I have an insane crush on uh, called Ravenous from like 1998, and it was on HorrorWriters.net, I believe. And so I just reached out to him on Twitter and was like, hey, I liked your review. Won't we, you know, let's hook up on the show and talk horror movies. And he apparently got like insanely prepared. And then when he actually started talking to me, I'm like, why the fuck did I do all that work? <laughs> I can just go in here and bullshit with this guy about movies. So that's really how most of our episodes go. We just kind of watch and then I have no idea where Chris is going to take the conversation. But those end up being really fun to, to edit because you don't really have to edit. It's just kind of all over the place. It's it's great. I mean, you can just kind of show up and fuck around and hopefully you have people – Hopefully, I mean, here's the real, the real deal. Like if one person downloads this or a million, it – I'd be very happy if it's a million, but it doesn't change. Maybe not a million, but like, I don't know about you. I don't make a dime. Like, nope. For 10 or, or 10,000 to me is the exact same thing. So it's, uh, I like when there's more people to download it. That's always the goal, but like, nothing happens. So it's all like, yeah, do what you like because it's your, it's, it's, I really value the time. Like, I'm the most, the thing I love the most is this part where I'm like connecting with another human being and making a new relationship. Yeah, if I got a million downloads like tomorrow, so I would confused. probably just be well, I'd be confused 
and I'd be insanely guilt ridden because then I would be like, all right, I got to How do I make a buck off this? If a million people just, how do I follow up with the next episode? <laughs> well, I'm doing something wrong. Like I need to, I need to charge, you know, yeah. I don't know, a nickel, a download or something gets, especially if my wife found out about that, she would be what? like, she would not be happy. She would just think you're incompetent. If you've got a million people listening to you and you're making nothing, actually just losing money you, you, for you posting money all that. Yeah. I would call yeah. Libsyn. I'm like, I think something's wrong with your website today. <laughs> Yeah, because I am the most famous non-famous podcast. Possibly and how do I get a million hits. Why am I not famous? That would be my question. Well, where to begin, sir? <laughs> I get a lengthy email I like, telling me how much I suck. I like reached out to Midroll in time to ask about like uh, advertising, and the auto response was like, "Unless your podcast has like ten thousand downloads an episode, they're thinking through." Or it was something like, "Don't waste our time." <laughs> And they were very nice about it, um, but it was it was just like oh, so because yeah, I mean there are the ones that are making money actually do have the ten thousand minimum per listen. Sure, but I feel like podcasting from what I've read, it is there seems to be like a small pie, and there's like WTF of Mark Marin and maybe like Bill Simmons podcast and Nerdist and maybe a few other like non in the comedy world specifically adam carolla like maybe four or five have all of the downloads and then there's a little bit left over for us and then the in-betweens like then there's the earwolf and there's the wolf pop and all these like bigger networks and then at the bottom is us pattern family folks (laughs) well and even the ones you just named uh, you know, they came from some other entertainment background and brought their listeners there to their podcast. Yeah, exactly. They're like, I shouldn't get Bill Simmons downloads because I'm not Bill Simmons. Is that his name? Yeah. Bill Simmons? Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, unfortunately not been on like ESPN's halftime basketball shows yet, but that's that would be a very strange email if I open that up. If they listen to my <laughs> be like, Seriously? stupid movie podcast and they're like, hey, you did an episode on basketball movies. You want to come onto Can the show? Can you talk about Hoosiers and, uh... for us? <laughs> we could have got Larry <laughs> sure. Bird, but we're going to get you, <laughs> Michael. Because you're cheaper. Tell us about <laughs> Hoosiers. Well, I couldn't think of any other basketball movies. Uh, Airbud. Airbud, I would probably have to research, <laughs> yeah, and that would be one that I would watch for probably not even a half hour. And not like, even for ESPN. No, I, I think it, it would be you know if they were asking me to come on to do like a halftime show on Airbud. Uh, <laughs> clearly, something has gone wrong with the universe. So I don't think me being professional is what's expected there, because yeah. clearly they're not professional. No, if that happens, no. not at all. How funny would that be if that scenario came across? Where like we need an expert on Airbud. Get Michael Denniston. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> get the chopper for Airbud. When I first started out, I was only a couple months into doing this podcast, which I just assumed no one was listening to. And I got um, a DM or email from some guy over in the UK asking me to come on his podcast and be their Comic-Con expert. Uh, now, I've never been to Comic-Con. <laughs> that might be a problem. I hadn't even... I had not checked on the news, like the trailers that they announced, any of that stuff. So right before I took the Skype call, I just loaded up all the like Comic-Con news stories and, you know, didn't even watch the trailers. I'm like, oh, yeah, the new Hobbit. Yeah, that'll probably suck. And just did that. And I was like, this is the dangerous territory about podcasts being sort of a hobbyist medium is if you have enough Twitter followers, (laughs) suddenly you're an expert on something that clearly you shouldn't be talking about. And I was that guy. But I took the call because I wanted to pimp out my show. Well, you were right about The Hobbit. 
Well, yeah, that see, that was shooting fish in a barrel. I was like, it was going to be very surprising if I was wrong on that mm-hmm. one. But uh, like, oh, we extended yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, as you said, it's just very incestuous. Like you get to you start hanging out with these little communities of other podcasters, and I do tend to listen to the ones that aren't famous. Like I, you know, I've listened to occasionally Bill Simmons, but I get far more enjoyment listening to "Tell Me About Your Song" or "The Broken Brain." Or true bromance, something like that. Oh yeah, all those I subscribe to every single one of those. You movie people, I I feel like I must be like a Nickelback fan to you guys when it comes to film because <laughs> I don't I'm, I don't see anything or know half of the stuff you're talking about. But I love hearing you guys get into the stuff I've watched. Well, that's you know that's the thing I do on my podcast is I try to reach out to to people from a completely different background because you start to get. Um, into this very narrow focus. Like even the movies that are discussed amongst like film Twitter, you're hearing the same thing mm-hmm. back and forth. It's going to be like, you know, La La Land or Moonlight. And I often wonder what does, you know, quote unquote normal person <laughs> think about something like this? Someone who's not already sort of, you know, prepped and primed for La La Land to come out. And so that's why. Or confused why I have someone like, like, why is Ryan yeah. Gosling is in, in this? He's too <laughs> handsome to be in an indie movie. You know, you say you don't know what you're talking about, but I just recorded our La La Land episode uh, last night, and that was my chief complaint against the film. I'm not, I'm not seeing it because of him. Well, he's far too attractive to play this. Like, well, he's he's like a loser jazz snob, and it's like he's playing like one of the guys from High Fidelity who was like Jack Black or the au pair from Jerry Maguire. But he's like, and I'm like a fucking mannequin. Yeah, it's like I think he probably at a certain point would have had so much uh, sexual opportunity thrown his way that maybe he puts down the jazz records for a couple hours and maybe he's not as into it as those guys. And that's also a little bit unfair because it's a movie and there's a lot of pretty people in movies. Yeah, but he's prettier than most in movies. You know, he's not even ruggedly handsome. He's just like feminine handsome. And I think Emma Stone is very attractive by all means, but like with the two of them, it's just weird because usually the woman is the more attractive sexed up one. The unbelie- and I, this is someone who has not even seen the movie. I'm just going off the previews. But when, when I saw the preview, I was like, oh, he's a jazz pianist? And he looks like, well, first off, that's shitty because like, yeah, white, a beautiful looking white guy is playing jazz music in LA. So I was like, I'm done. And it is something that's not really explored in the film. And there's been a little bit of backlash against it. Because- Are there black people in the movie? Yeah, and I, th- I guess that's. The, I haven't seen uh, it, but that's. I, that's I'm going to guess there's not. <laughs> well, they're you know they're clearly um, not the central romance, as you mentioned. You have Gosling and Stone, so those are and almost all the supporting characters. Uh, even J.K. Simmons, who's just an old bald white guy, he's in the film for as much as he's in the trailer. It's just enough to be like, hey, J.K. Simmons, mm-hmm. and then it's over. I made Whiplash, so now I made this. Yeah, yeah, and it, and you kind of wish he was still playing the character from Whiplash, who was like running a jazz club and like would just start throwing stuff at Ryan Gosling. Would have made for a better movie. Um, but yeah, the the use of people of color in this film is uh, kind of slight in in the jazz world. But I think they kind of missed an opportunity there because it's really about fanboyism, and a lot of you know predominantly fanboys gravitate towards something from the past, something that they didn't actually live through. Like Star Wars fans for the most oh, yeah. part. Like oh I was God. born I was born in eighty two, so I don't actually remember, you know, obviously their original run, but I became a big Star Wars kid on VHS and all yeah. that. 
And I, you know, for a time in my youth, you would have thought that I was there day one, the way I like sort of revered these things. And so I, I do like that Gosling is kind of playing up that trope. Um, but then the, then the film has to obviously dance and sing and have kissy face with Emma Stone. So they don't really get into it as much as I would have liked. Well, I remember, I'm sorry if I just made this a La La Land. No, this is perfect. I I like to review things I don't actually watch, but I remember (laughs) I, uh, you were nice enough to have me on your show for hello. My name is Doris. And apparently Mm -hmm. that wasn't big in film Twitter. And I just love that movie. I mean, that was just made, I think for someone like me who likes those kind of, I guess it's a comedy. I don't think it was, but like the off brand stuff i think it was too old for film twitter I, uh, to be perfect I, it was kind of ages because it was Sally Fields. response to it yeah because yeah. i well i mean it's michael showalter <laughs> who i think for comedy you know wet hot american summer and he's done some really great weird movies like wanderlust and stuff well i made the comment about uh the best exotic marigold hotel on a recent recording and the guy i was recording with is like i don't think we were the target audience for that and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I love that movie. Mm. Like, that was so enjoyable. Like, I liked hanging out with those old people. It was just very pleasant. And Yeah, uh, Doris was yeah. so not that movie. Well, I think Hello, My Name is Doris was also marketed poorly because it wasn't really about as much of about Doris falling in love with a younger man, but more about uh, there's a whole hoarder story, hoarder storyline and like just life and things well, moving it's, forward. It's sort of a, it was a catalyst for her to yeah. actually sort of reflect. Change and moving forward. Where she was. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I loved it, but I remember the, I was like, not more people, how did more people not see this movie? But I think that's always me. I always find that like, I like that stuff more than, I don't know. I haven't seen anything big this year, so. You should start a movie podcast where you berate movie podcasters every, every week, week for what they're not covering. Not, how could you not see? <laughs> yeah, because no one I saw was covering uh, Don't Think Twice, the Mike Birbiglia movie, which I just thought was perfect. But I didn't see anyone cover that. Well, hey, I'm I'm going to cover it on uh, an episode coming up in February. Listen, if you need someone, let me know. Yeah, let's do it. Let's look I up went uh, to for a... the Comedian. Have you heard of that? It's like no, a Robert I cannot De Niro wait to movie. see that. Okay, so it'll be paired with, see, with that one. I'm curious so, yeah. to see how that will do. Um, but I went to see uh, at the Art House Cinema, and Mark Mike Birbiglia was there and did a Q and A afterwards. So that was even like that was really cool. I I, I really like. I was a big fan of uh, Sleepwalk with. Me. Oh, me too. I, I love that, that was... movie. I love him in general. I'm a huge fan of his work, and I think as a filmmaker, he's kind of. I'm such a sucker for that. Like, I guess like I don't know if he is considered it, but like the. Uh, Duplass Brothers and Joe Schwalschbacher, like that mumblecore style of just like yeah, yeah. nothing happens, but for some reason, like Kevin Smith, but turned up a little. <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of got a little bit of that, but uh, clearly, it's I think it's far more personal than like the Duplass Brothers because yeah. they're they're sort of all over the place. Yeah. Like they they'll do like a horror movie, and they'll you know they'll do like a really strange comedy. But his uh, clearly Sleepwalk with Me was autobiographical, and I can only assume that actually don't think twice. Believe it or not, don't think twice was not autobiographical at all. Really, it was the first time. So did he not have any sort of uh, improv background before that? I think he's just a pure, purely a stand-up, to be quite honest. Um, I knew that. Um, I, I, what is the actress's name from Community? I, I don't think she. No, I she's not. She, she is. Uh, really... um, Gillian Jacobs is not a comedian. She's a uh, Juilliard trained actress. Yeah, I remember reading that she had to prepare for yeah. it, which is strange. If you watch the film, she's kind of like one. she kind of becomes the main character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I listened to. I think he told Mike Birbiglia still this story probably on like This American Life or something. But it was a comment that his wife made, like him, he was probably performing, I think it was at UUCB, and his wife made some remark about, oh, isn't that strange? It was like Mike Birbiglia 
some other people from SNL and someone else. And she's like, oh, but that person's going back to a one-bedroom apartment in Queens. That person's a millionaire. We're going back to you – know, just like some innocuous comment. And he – and I think it was a relatable movie that anyone could have that with like in terms of success and friends. But like they all do the same thing and like there's Aid Bryant and then there's someone who's their age who's sleeping in a one-bedroom in Queens doing this. But they're both performing together and so he kind of took that idea – um, at, and the, I think it was most biographical probably to the Chris Gethard character because he was the act, the guy who was like, oh, he's about to be the next big thing and never, ever happened. Mm-hmm. He watched, I listened to him talk tons on podcasts and he's like the teacher at UCB that everyone he taught went on to become famous. And then now he's kind of his time to shine. But, I mean, I, I, sorry, I just went off on that movie, but I just really loved it. I had so many feelings after I saw it. it <laughs> and I've always said that Keegan Michael Key should be a fucking leading man because he is just so charming. Do you find that comedians uh, have a hard time breaking through to become leading men? Like if they if they get famous through comedy, yeah, I think can anyone take them seriously as like I think the, it, you know the romantic lead or action hero? I think a good comedian, it's harder for people, but I think they're better at it. I think a good comedian, like a good stand up, could become a dramatic actor better than a dramatic actor becoming a comedian. You, I think well, I mean, comedy is hard. Yeah, I, I mean, look at Mordecai. That's always the example. <laughs> like, it's just Johnny Depp's. Like, I'm going to be funny now. It's like, no. You're well, not. I was telling you earlier that we did like you know 100 episodes in like 10 months, and Mordecai was the one where I was like, I think I need to stop podcasting so much because I don't need to watch everything. I don't need to. Watch at, at that time, I was like watching every new release that came out, and I was like, I could do that episode i could pick out two older movies off my shelf and relate it somehow but mordecai i was like that wasn't worth it that was oh, not worth my God. time i didn't even see it putting it together another one i'm gonna judge basically off the previews but from what i've read you're it, fine it was limited. yeah you're fine yeah. judging that one yeah it is i think it is tough but then then the downside is you get the adam sandlers and, and stuff like who were like I, I, gosh i've been talking a lot about adam sandler today for some reason one of those <laughs> one of those days but like we you know when i listened to uh when I was a kid, my dad is pretty cheap. My my dad's a notorious George Costanza cheap kind of guy and would get us CDs from the library. And he got us Adam Sandler, my brother and I. You're all going to laugh at you, the Adam Sandler comedy album. But the mm-hmm. library sticker accidentally covered the parental uh, advisory sticker. <laughs> so my brother's five years older than I am or four years. So I was very, very young listening to that album and knowing I wasn't supposed to hear those words and thinking it was the funniest thing in the entire world. But like, so Adam Sandler's comedy and movies were made for me when I was like 11, 13, 11 12, 13. Mm. But like if I was 32 listening to that, I'd be like, this is fucking garbage. So there's the, here's what I'm getting at. Is Adam Sandler funny? <laughs> is he funny? Yeah, I mean like, is that, it's right? Because like I love some of his mm. movies. But I was very young when I saw them, and I have not liked anything he's done in, like, a decade. Well, I mean, you could say the same thing about, like, Eddie Murphy, right? Yeah. Because eventually, it does seem like comedians uh, and Robin Williams kind of went through a similar thing where they get to a certain age and they choose or they get stuck in this, like, family style comedy, mm-hmm. family films. And do you think for at least Robin, that kind of felt like the industry kind of did that to him? Yeah, I mean, and it may, you know, maybe becoming a father, you know, maybe yeah. just wanting to have something to show your kids because clearly with Eddie Murphy, you know, he had enough adult material in his youth. Eddie Murphy's 
interesting because he became Eddie Murphy at a very young age, like right. 19. He was 19 when he was on SNL. So how does that not fuck you up? I don't know. I'm sure there were a lot of drugs yeah. being passed around. And, the there's time. Always and a, also, he like saved that yeah, show. Yeah. And there's something to do with like fame can kind of make you less creative and financial stability. Well, that's what I was going to say about Adam Sandler. He's very blue collar that way. It seems like he's just comfortable working with his friends. Yeah. Like, you know, he's, if he can bring in Schneider or Spade uh, and they can pump out a few movies for Netflix, he's good with that. And he doesn't seem to care if, you know, people hate them. Uh, he has his, I guess, fan base and his family and friends and a lot of money, and he's comfortable. I mean, he's very good when he stretches he out. Like good. he was, uh, yeah. like Punch Drunk Love. He's awesome in that. Hell, I even and, like Click. Uh, I said it. I can't say I've seen Click. I can't bash you for that because I just haven't seen it's it. It's really but, sad. Uh, <laughs> is it like uh, your version of uh, the Family Man for me, where it's like a guilty pleasure? Yes. <laughs> Except I don't know why you feel guilt about uh, Family Man. <laughs> I think Nicolas Cage is kind of, you know, he, I don't know if he's considered cool now or not. Oh, it depends on if he's what so, day like, uncool is. that he's cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I, I like really like him, uh, not just as an actor, but just as like the guy. Like he's just a character. Like I remember Roger Ebert writing that he is tr- truly not an actor, but a performer. And he meant that as a compliment. Mm. Like you would just go see if this guy was on a street corner just doing like a monologue you would stop and watch him because he's, he's just weird looking and he's just he's got something so no i i guess i shouldn't call it a guilty pleasure but i can never tell what the internet is going to bash me for yeah like, there's there's some innocuous tweet that i'll make where i'm like hey this is pretty good and i'll be called an asshole for it and i just don't, <laughs> well, I, don't I love why. adaptations which i know you're also a fan of yes big fan um, I had to watch that in college for like one of my classes. I don't remember oh, why. Prof- cool class. Professor made us watch it. It wasn't film. I d- Maybe it was my film class. I know I had this English teacher who was clearly a films like obsessive who wrote her curriculum around films unnecessarily, which I love about her. So we watched uh, Dopamine, Waking Life, Adaptation, and Waiting for Sunset. That's very cool. I wonder if that professor now has a podcast. I should look her up. Just I as wonder. an excuse to talk movies. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like a creative writing class, so it's like watch Waking Life, pick your favorite conversation, and then extend your like. Basically, now I look back, it's fan fiction, but like I want you to extend this scene or whatever. But uh, it's Walking. Hey, yeah, Walking Life is amazing, but adaptation. And then the other one I loved was uh, the Before Sunset. Is that the first of the? Oh yes, yeah. Whoa. That whole Before trilogy is just awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, it's like not. Not a good uh, date night because I didn't meet my wife until uh, the last one was out. We were dating and we went to see Before Midnight. And that one's not as uh, much of a romantic evening as before. It's something like a divorce. Uh, I didn't see it. So, yeah, yeah, it's, a, yeah it's, it's after they've been together for years and there's a lot of bickering and fighting. Uh, no, so, But as a trilogy, yeah. it, is, it is the best trilogy of all time in my eyes. Cause Better than Die Hard? <laughs> well, I, Die Hard Two. I, I don't even like Die Hard that much. I just wanted to be funny. Oh, sir! Just after the holidays. Thank God you're saying it after yeah, Christmas, I, or you'd be lynched on Facebook. I don't even know if I've watched that. all of Die Hard. Oh man, pa- you need to get together with uh, Andrew from the ABC. Yeah, I'm not against you, it. Which I guess, just, well, he's he's Australian, so he's kind of excused. But he just watched Die Hard for the first time this last month, and he's the same age as me. He's like, I don't get it. Uh, but. But you, I don't know if you have any excuse. I've seen parts of, of the it. US of A. <laughs> I, I definitely please say not on TV, yeah. please. And when they remove all the foul, yeah, that's language. probably where I would have watched it. 
You know, you brought up fan fiction, and I'm wondering if all these podcasters should have just put their time and effort into that, because I think that's a better business model. Like, if you can create the next Fifty Shades of Grey, oh, I, I would I would totally sell no, out. You guys are all too talented for that, though. I I don't know. That movie's pretty terrible. <laughs> we, well, I mean, we're not making any money. <laughs> oh, that's so true. That's, that's, <laughs> so are, are we that talented, or are we just, are we just lazy I, critics? My wife, I don't know. Uh, of course, made me see that movie. And uh, it they those actors hated each other. Like clearly, did not like each other. There's zero chemistry. Well, that's that's the problem with having a that that skewed relationship where they barely talk to each other, but they just I guess one of them spanks the other. It for wasn't most even of the time. enough for a for a bet. It was like a softcore porn without any of the good stuff. Like there was almost no pornography in it. <laughs> There's like a, a well, yeah. scene where they just negotiate a sex contract and they talk about sex stuff and then she's topless for a second. You don't even see his dong. Like if you're going for that, go for the NC-17, make this like an erotic thriller, make it like a French film that I'm never going to watch or something like it just, oh, I hated that movie <laughs> so much. I still keep going back to this. I was making fun of my format, my stupid idea for the movie podcast. And I think I've hit on something by having... You host a show I don't, discussing films that you've not I seen. I really way like that idea. Much w- less work. <laughs> <laughs> but though I, I had seen Fifty Shades of Grey, sadly. I watched it on, uh, I think it came out like Valentine's yeah, Day weekend. Jeez, they and, did that uh, on purpose. Yeah, and I was, I was one of the few dudes in there who were all sort of coupled up, but it was a lot of sort of ladies' night type crowd. Yeah. And man, they were they were revved up for that for that movie. And like you said, disappointed, uh, very disappointed. Yeah, because I I think the most excitement I could feel in the air was for the like the Magic Mike two trailer that, that played. Is that the movie where then it turned into like something completely different and it's like dark and there's no sex? Which one, Magic Mike? Or is that the second one? Wasn't one of them? There's like a dark storyline. I've never seen the Magic Mikes. The first one is kind of depressing because it's about like being poor. It's like about the recession more so than it is about dudes getting naked. Uh, um, but the second one, it's like they realize the complaints of the first, and they're like, "All right, send hot dudes in a van on a road trip through like Florida." So I think the second one was far more fun. Uh, gave the ladies what they wanted. But yeah, the Fifty Shades movie did not... I was actually surprised that there's a sequel even coming out because I don't remember anyone being pleased with it. And it sounds like what you're saying with the actors, it's like they're still serving out their prison term, this yeah. trilogy that they're forced to make. And like, if it's a movie you're directing towards women, what, they just like assume that all women are gay because the entire movie is just like sexualizing Dakota Fanning. Is that her name? Oh, no. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Don Johnson's daughter. Yep. Shouldn't we see more of the guy if it's a woman's movie? Like, it's like a woman's magazine. When you look at it, you're like, this is really for me. <laughs> There's just a lot of really good looking girls here not wearing any clothing. And that's what that movie was. <laughs> and it is, I mean, there is some sort of fantasy uh, trip, I guess, uh, for women. But yeah, they, like they you just said, left they don't... it all out in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they still don't really serve it because I guess men's power trips or something like well die hard for instance yeah which in the version that you've if you've seen on television there's just a gratuitous breast shot for no reason in there it's like the terrorists come and take over nakatomi tower and they just drag a woman out who for whatever reason had her shirt unbuttoned yeah, sounds good to me and that's it there's there's no i mean there's no sex there's no romance in the movie but it's like even then they gave their core audience i guess you know a boob shot and as you said there's no dick 
and Fifty Shades Grey. There's, I mean, there's dick. barely dick at all. Um, do you remember when Gone Girl came out? Like Ben Affleck, oh, yeah. like there's a slight. Do you see his dog? I mean, you'd have to, well, you'd have to pause it, and it's only like partially there. Like it, it was. Is it really his dog, so, or is it someone else's? I assume it is, unless they went with like CGI or some sort of prosthetic. I actually just don't even know what the purpose of it was. Like it's so, like you said, you'd have to work so hard to see it. I don't even know why it's there. Yeah, they but, don't show enough. Uh, maybe it was marketing. They, they don't show a lot of dong in movies. Uh, did you ever see that documentary? Uh... This film is not yet rated about how about the uh, MCAAP or whoever the fuck makes film ratings. The uh, MP. Oh, MPAA. Yeah. yeah, I just said a bunch of letters yeah. and hoped that you knew what I was talking about. <laughs> it, it's really good, and it's like kind of a censorship Christian front organization, uh, but but they're just super anti-sex, and they give these ratings, and ratings are so tied to like money. Uh, but they hate. Well, they yeah, hate, like, um, they hate. Anything vaginal or women receiving pleasure or any sort of sex or ding-dongs. That's what I call penises, ding-dongs. And uh, love violence. It's in their official bylines. Yeah, no no <laughs> ding-dongs. Oh, God, I think it's like the funniest one. I think I must have saw it in Scrubs recently. I've been rewatching Scrubs, and they <laughs> called it a ding-dong, and I've just been the last couple of weeks saying that and it makes me laugh. Does that hold up? Oh, yeah. I watched it like five or six times in the last series – Front of, front of the until that end that last season that's garbage. I don't watch like the first like eight seasons. I've watched cover over and over and over like last. Now, yeah. When you say last season, do you mean the last one, in the hospital, or are you counting that like med school thing they tried to do? That's the one I don't touch. The one. Okay. Yeah, I actually right. like the last season. Not 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 See, the med school one. The one before that where they actually end the series with JD walking out mm-hmm. and but the early ones though, man. Oof. I actually had this this conversation with a friend just a few weeks ago, and we were trying we were deliberating like when creators like sort of put reality above their art in a way because uh, and sometimes it works out because I read that I can't remember the creator of Scrubs. Oh, it's um, he, uh, Bill Lawrence. He was totally cool with continuing the show as this sort of weird pseudo spinoff without your principal characters because he wanted to keep the crew that he'd worked with for almost a decade all together. Like he wanted them to still have a job. And, but as a fan, you're like, Oh, this sucks. They're just really trying to like ring this out. But when you hear a man explain it like that, how can you be against it? it? Because you're just like, Oh, you're a good dude. It's saved by the bell of the new class. Yeah, and then you have something like uh, Better Call Saul, which a lot of people really I like, it. and it's a similar setup. Like they, were, I think Gilligan was just like, I just want to keep my crew together. We're just going to do something in this world, and you know, I, I got nothing. No, that. me neither. I, as I but, said, I'm I'm ready to to write fan fiction for checks. I'll write you know Care Bear sex stories. Yeah. If they'll pay me for it. You guys, I don't you care. heard it first. You heard it first, right here. He's <laughs> no. going to write Care Bear sex fiction for you. So and now someone's gonna steal that idea <laughs> off Let's Chat. I'll track you down, uh, Chris. You've got the subscriber records. You can you can give me the address. I'm sure that already exists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I read that too about Bill Lawrence. Like he's a good guy. He wanted to keep the show, but maybe the executives and the network came. Well, I don't know. Better Call Saul works because it's a separate show, but Scrubs is just still Scrubs with just how any of the characters. <laughs> they should have given it like a tacky name like that. Scrubs like, the new know, class. Just. Yeah, something. something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. You feel bad. But then also, if you're also far enough removed like me, I'm like, I don't know the cameraman's name. Fucking end the show. <laughs> but <laughs> Fuck that guy. I don't care about his kid's Christmas But, this but I year. will say, it's not 
as bad as How I Met Your Mother's last season, where that last season is so bad it ruins the series in a way, and it also ruined the potential the spinoff they were supposed to do. Hmm. I, I I've heard that. I've only watched like the early season. I never really kept up with it. I'd catch an episode or catch it's, an episode. It's here good. It's like the that era of Friends, like just kind of mindless. Um, uh, shout out if our buddy uh, Dan from Get Real Movies because him. We both love that friends, but you know, it's a good sitcom. It's not great, but there's some episodes that they do some really fun nonlinear storytelling and it's a lot of fun. And then they somehow use their last episode to basically throw away the last season and basically their entire series in 30 seconds. Wow. That's just a, I don't know if it's a bold move or they're just, they just want to, there's, there's some I'm, bitterness. There. No, I'm, Cause I didn't love the show enough. It wasn't like a Sopranos ending, which I personally liked, but it wasn't even like a creative arts decision. I don't know. It was just dumb or they hmm. just wrote themselves into a corner and they're like, yeah, whatever <laughs> we have, we have bags of money that we can't fit into our suitcases anymore. So let's just fuck with it. Fuck around. But I'd, one of the best movies I uh, I saw this year was a documentary called De Palma on on that director, and one of the best quotes. Uh, even if you're not a fan of the dude, he's just funny to listen to. I think I saw a preview because, for this recently. Is it on HBO? No, I I don't know if it's streaming yet. It may be. It came out this summer. I, was, I saw the preview. I, I'm pretty sure. It's, sure. Yeah, but he uh, he's just a so sort of self-effacing about it. Like he's not he's not defensive about his art. He's just like, and there's a couple of movies they talk about where the, like the endings in particular weren't well received and they show the clips of them, which are pretty stupid. And then they cut to him and his response is endings are hard. <laughs> it's just like, all right. Like, you know, he just kind of owned up to it. It's like, yeah, we just didn't get that right. So maybe that's the, how I met your mother guys. Maybe I they, they so. would just say endings are hard. Let's hope that's it. Well, normally that would be fine, but the, what, the way they did the ending, I mean, I'm not spoiling anything if I tell you, am I? Do you care? No, no, I don't. So care. the way no, they do care. it is the it's called How I Met Your Mother, and it's nine seasons about how uh, Ted meets his wife, who we meet in season nine or eight. So she dies, which is sad. You barely see her, mm -hmm. and then it turns out that he was trying to actually get with uh, Robin, who was like his on again, off again girlfriend. Again, that would be kind of cool to twist. Here's the problem: they spent one entire season showing you uh, basically. They spent the entire season telling one story that took place at Barney and Robin's wedding, and then they used 30 seconds to wrap up the last, like, 12 years of, like, Barney and Robin got divorced uh, one year later. <laughs> so you're like, Jeez. why did I watch an entire season about a wedding that doesn't matter? Why did I watch right. seven seasons about a relationship that also doesn't matter just to ultimately end up with Robin? And, yeah, it just wasn't good, but... It sounds kind of like Lost in a strange yeah, way. Yeah, which like I also I didn't watch, which I did not watch, yeah. but I feel like it's not worth it for me because the payoff is going to be so bad. Yeah, it's like, I mean, obviously they're very different stories, but their version of Robin or, you know, I guess what people would expect early on, like, oh, that's that's where this is going. That's how it's going to wrap up. The creators kept insisting, no, 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 we got something else. You, you all haven't figured it out yet. And they did something else, but they kind of worked their way back around to, I guess, their Robin ending. And people were like, what the fuck? You told us it wasn't going to be that the whole time, and it actually was. And they're like, no, 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 because something else happened first. And it's like, come on, just do it. Like, stop. I really, that's my biggest problem with a lot of movies these days is this. Like, I was one of the few people, I guess, on the planet that didn't like Arrival, which I don't know if you've seen. No, I wanted to. I heard it was good. Okay. Well, I, I won't spoil anything for you or the listeners. It, it has this sort of 
twist ending in a way where it introduces um, a really interesting concept and makes you reevaluate the characters and what you've seen, or at least that's what it's aiming to do. The problem I have with a lot of those endings is that that's where those characters become interesting mm-hmm. finally. But instead, as you said, it's just like the last 30 seconds of like, da da da. aren't you surprised? And I'm like, well, yeah, but now I'm really interested to, to now that you've told me everything about them, let's see where it goes. And then the credits roll. And I'm like, oh, great. The thing I respect the most about Ben Skilligan, and yet he hasn't ruined it for us yet. Um, when he started Breaking Bad, he's like, Walt, Walt dies. He will be dead by the, he goes, he will be dead by the last episode. He didn't tell you how he was going to die. He didn't tell you if he was going to die in the last episode or beforehand. But it was always like he made a promise to the audience that it's not going to be like a dream sequence. And uh, we and the payoff was kind of what we wanted, like a, a story. A good story has a beginning, a middle and an end. And uh, it was great. And I see. I, I think that show would have been far better if it ended. Was it like two episodes prior? I can't, it's, it's the Ryan Johnson episode. Uh, um, he directed, uh, he directed a few of those. Like he directed, uh, the fly oh, episode. Yes, the, yes, yes. Um, and he directed uh looper and he's directing the next star Wars, like episode eight. Um, but it's the one with Walt when he's out in the cabin and he's in the car in the oh, snow. Such a good, yeah. I, that's one of my favorite episodes. And I thought it would be the perfect ending to it. Like, I mean, it's a very, it would be a very dark ending. He gets away. But I was like, man, this, it, well, yeah, he's he's away, but he's exiled. Like That's he's, interesting. He's totally, he's totally unhappy, and he's fucked everything up, and he's just a man alone in the world. So he and, did die. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, and there's all sorts of weird sort of Sopranos like like. Fan oh, I read all online. that stuff when I was having. Yeah, yeah. I would like um, you know, Dex. The show Dexter ended at the same time, and that show is on for way longer. And they don't kill off their main character, and no one talked about it the next day. He was like, eh, whatever. Yeah, that was that was a pretty ridiculous ending, though. Dexter the lumberjack, and then he, and he um, kills Deb, I, and oh god, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That one, I don't think that ever recovered from uh, John Lithgow's season. And that season I think that was, was like the midway beautiful. point. And that, that's yeah. the harder thing I think about TV. It's like um, I like like a Sherlock is great because it's like we'll do three, four seasons, we're done. Um, so like, do it, be done. So it's, sometimes it's hard when you like a show and then like let's stretch it out. Like The Office, I used to love, and then it goes on for like. But then I guess the the other option, the other side of that spectrum is The Simpsons, where it goes on forever and it starts to uh, not be very good. And then for my and from what I understand is around somewhere in the late teens and the twenties, it kind of comes back to being good again. So maybe if you're on long enough, you have you run the game of everything. The Nicolas Cage effect, yes. where you get you become cool again. Uh, now, so since you're the movie guy and uh, the movies that are all popular right now, if I had a choice between La La Land, Moonlight, and Manchester by the Sea, what should I go watch? Uh, it's easy for me because Manchester's the only one that I like. You didn't like Moonlight, so didn't see any of um, these yet. I, I just would like to see that one because I really liked uh, that guy. Uh, I'll say um, Moonlight is the best looking movie mm-hmm. uh, that I saw this year. It is technically amazing. Uh, it is the the performances are great. It's just it's just too slight for me in the sense that. That was a film that deserved to be like two and a half hours long. Like it, there was so much working for it mm. that I feel like they cut themselves off the knees. Oh. Um, it, and maybe it's because, you know, it's, it's a smaller budget. I, I know it's based on like an unproduced play. So, it, you know, there probably wasn't that much material if they wanted to like add on to okay. it. it kind of, maybe it would change it. 
but yeah, it's it's not bad by any means, but I, I wanted the boyhood version. Like I wanted like, you're going to tell this guy's life in three parts. I wanted each part to be like an hour long. Um, and so that's, that's kind of a weird complaint to have. Like I dislike this movie because everything about it is good but there needs to be more of it. Like I felt dissatisfied. Isn't that like a quote? Like, uh, no good movie is ever too short. <laughs> yeah, no, well, yeah, no, uh, no bad movie is, uh, short enough really, but yeah, but that's, um, that is definitely one where I just, I, I get the acclaim for it, but I, I didn't, I didn't take to it clearly like the, the critics and the rest of film Twitter. What did. about, uh, um, but all of those are loved. All of those Manchester are, by the sea. Know. Is that, Good. It looks good. That, I just that's I have um, a hard time with the Boston accent. It kind of annoys me. Yeah, you probably feel about that like I do when there's a, a southern accent in films where a lot because I've noticed a lot of people, especially in the podcast circles, I guess I run in, uh, are sort of bemused by the way I talk, and they each have their own version of like doing an impression well, of to me, me, which just sounds you, god. You sound like you have a true <laughs> Southern accent and not the overextended "Hey to y'all" like uh, how people yeah. like in movies yeah, do yeah. it, but like cause yep, it's just yep. more like a little molasses in the mouth. It's just a little mm-hmm. Midwestern, and I assume I, lo- I love it. It's the same for New Englanders too. No, no, I know those people. They sound like that, and I hate them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Casey Affleck, they get that. But, yeah, yeah, I don't. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I don't. I do know those people with that accent, but in the movie, it's just a little bit too much. But um, I, I would be interested to hear your thoughts on it as yeah. a as a New Englander in a way, because that that was the one. I'd like to see. I'm it. a big fan of uh, Kenneth Lonergan. He did uh, "You Can Count on Me" with Mark Ruffalo, like way back in 2000, mm-hmm. and he did a movie called Margaret, uh, which like didn't get released for like five years because of like studio battles with uh, Anna Paquin and Matt Damon. And I, I love both of those. So this one. It's like his look- uh, the final part of his uh, trilogy of like grief, basically. Well, so it's Spotlight you know, does the Boston accent well. They do. It's they, they do it well. Yeah. And is this Manchester, New Hampshire? Because it is. They do talk like that up there. And it's I, actually. I mean, I don't know where, where you'd have to tell me. As no, far like, it's as called the, Manchester it's, by the Sea. So I thought they meant New Hampshire, but I also haven't seen it. It's well, it's a, isn't that the the name of the town now? I was reading some trivia, like where it's like it's officially called Manchester by the Sea now. Oh, so, I don't know. So quaint. <laughs> it's like so bed and breakfast, and I think that's what makes the film kind of depressing. It's because it's so idyllic in a way, like it's like perfect sort of New England, uh, like uh, go up there for like a, a vacation. But the events in the film are so yeah dark and so tragic so it's it's that weird new england kind of blend i, I think you'd yeah it, it looks very good um, I, I would like to see it i don't know if i will um but i'll, I'll say this you know I, I talked to my uh i told my wife i said uh, all right let's go to the movies today i've seen manchester by the sea it's incredibly depressing but it's also incredible uh and i've not seen star wars yet i've not seen rogue one and which one do you want to see and she thought about it for a second she's like i'll take depressing so i was like i don't know what that says about her star wars fandom <laughs> but she went for the one that i said was brutally depressing for a sunday matinee sunday, uh star wars is really good um my star wars knowledge is more of the the force awakens and the newer ones like i just didn't really grow up with star wars and the fans kind of made me hate it for a long time but i do like it <laughs> as they will yeah, do yeah so i i do like it a lot and um so I, I actually had to walk out of the theater and ask my brother and wife. I was like, all right, can you explain to me how that connects to the next one? And people were like, you could hear people grinding their teeth behind me. like, oh! uh, But I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think we're eventually going to see it. Like it's, 
uh, Manchester came out and then La La Land and she, she kind of called dibs on those yeah. two. So Star Wars keeps getting kicked back, but I don't know. I don't think anything comes out this weekend. I, so Rogue One, I, I we'll probably really see. like Emma Stone. I, I saw her once in human life. Uh, she was in the Woody Allen movie. They filmed in Providence <laughs> and they filmed a couple of the scene trip on my old apartment. And I was walking to work one day and, uh, she was coming out of her trailer and I was like, Oh, cool. But I, I like that in human life. Yeah. I like that. It was that stupid Woody uh, Allen movie where Irrational yeah. Man is it with uh, Walking Phoenix. Yeah, I was gonna be like, you know the one where an older man falls for a younger woman and you're gonna go all Yeah, that of wouldn't them. narrow it down <laughs> at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw I actually drove by him too. I don't like him as a human being, so I try not to watch his work. Woody yeah. Allen. <laughs> well, he's not, I wouldn't say he's the most likable. His guy. like rapist uh, uh demeanor <clears> is hard for me to swallow. Well, that that you know, because I, I I never know like with with any of those sort of those accusations, right? Well, no, but his is so uh, even he was like sleeping with his nine year old daughter or something like thirteen year old daughter, like that stuff's like public. Um, even so that well, wasn't great. here's my that thing was with it consensual, but I, even that I just don't really like his movies. Was... Well, even if you remo- if you remove the rape aspect of it, let's say it's totally legal and above board, whatever, it's still fucking weird. I mean, it's still like an adopted daughter type he did, thing. It was technically legal, and from what I know of, but it's still like, yeah, yeah. It's and it's it's hard, like, because if you go back, probably if you're a fan of his um, before we were born, there's, you know, what you're hoping to get out of his comedies, or is he's like this strange neurotic everyman, right? Because he's he's clearly not good looking in any sort of traditional or probably anyone's sense. But then you start adding all that stuff, and I don't know. He's still making these kind of cute little romantic comedies, and it, it is kind of hard to get over that. Like I had a discussion with Hiro of True Bromance about it when the Birth of a Nation controversy kind of came yes, to light yes. again, and he was like, "You know, what's the difference? Like, you know, Chinatown's one of your favorite movies, and Roman Polanski. Uh, you know, I had at the very least it was statutory rape um, back in the '70s, and I'm like, I think what it is is." I can watch those movies comfortably and enjoy them and separate the art from the artist as long as I knew and could experience the film before I heard any about that stuff, any of those controversies. Yeah. But like with Birth of a Nation, it was like I would just be walking in and, and every time, and especially since rape is a pretty big part of that plot, I don't know if I could watch it and look at it as just a movie. So I don't, it's been a big talking no, point because Casey Affleck has had sexual harassments or allegations come up. Well, my friend yeah. at work was asking me, he's like, well, I'm having a child in May. And he's like, are you going to let your kid listen to Bill Cosby records? It's like, sure. He's like, what the hell? It's like, it's different when you're alive when it's happening. But like, by the time my child's 18, Bill Cosby will probably be dead. It's the same reason I'll let my kid listen to Michael Jackson music. Same reason that I like art from the Greek era. Like, you know, a lot of it's easier when it's a long time ago and everybody involved is dead. It's harder when it's like they're alive and the victim is still around being Fucked over, but it, it'll be it'll definitely be harder for your kids if you put on a Bill Cosby record and you're like, just so you know, he drugged a lot of women oh, yeah. and then had sex with them. Well, I'm not going to be the one. How could you listen to a comedy yeah. album at that? I'm point? not going to be the one that buys said Bill Cosby record for the kid, but um, I still think the Cosby Show will have this historical significance, but uh, it might not because there's so much other content that they could watch that it might not matter. <laughs> What's something that has been, do you think has been lost, like just in your lifetime that was like big at one point, but like now, like 
people would have no idea what it is. Oh, like, what's, can you think of something like a show or a movie or music that is just like completely fallen out of pop culture? That's favorite? a great question. I wish I, I feel like in a month from now, I'll have a much better answer. Um, the one that I think about, cause there's a big th- amount of stuff that doesn't make it from VHS to DVD. Um, on a personal level, I would love to, I, I remember the Flintstones meet the Jetsons movie being like the biggest thing when I was that age in school and it never made it to DVD. And I think it's just, people are like, what? But of certain people my age who watched Disney Channel or whatever it was on at that time, that was like everything to us. Because it was like your two favorite cartoons meeting. But I don't know if, if that was a national success or just like regionally we all really liked it. Mm-hmm. What about you? That's a good question. I'm going to write that. I That should be like my go-to backup question when I have a guest that isn't talking. <laughs> That, well, that's the problem when you have me on a podcast is I don't really give people a time to like go to anything specific because I'll just, I'll just keep talking. Me too. <laughs> um, I, I think it's the opposite problem for me. Like there's stuff that is really important to my childhood, but they keep bringing it back. Oh. And it's like they keep bringing it back and like shit. What about Howard the Duck? <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> that one was never never important no. to my childhood. Oh, um, all the stuff I think I really like were usually these like ones like Duckman. Do you remember that cartoon on Comedy Central? But that was that didn't have a huge cultural presentation. But I loved I it. It was Jason Alexander had a a, a cartoon and he was a duck or hmm. the critic. Uh, that's like a one critic, season yeah. show. So I guess the stuff that maybe they might not have huge cultural relevance. Revelance, but it was really important to my brother and my dad and I because I'm like we would watch it together. Fright Night is one for me. Uh, that was like the first horror movie I watched. My it was like one of my mom's favorite from when she was younger, and it was uh, it was one that she you know for the longest time I would tell people Fright Night and they wouldn't know what it was, and then there was that terrible Colin Farrell movie that came out the remake of it, and I just. Uh, now if I bring it up, they're like, "Oh, really? You're a big fan of that?" And I have to go back and be like, "No, no, original. it's like the '80s yeah. version." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so since you're like the movie guy, I know it's not fair to ask someone of their favorite movie, but so if we go by genre, what's your favorite comedy? Do you have one? Because I guess this is technically a comedy podcast. I I try; it doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's actually an easy question because I don't. For me, there's no contest when it comes to comedy. If you'd said like you know drama or action movie i probably would have hemmed and hawed but comedy uh it's always going to be raising arizona okay that's always gonna be my favorite uh that goes back uh my family i remember them having a vhs copy of it and like my stepdad loved it and i just it was one that from youth i probably even before i fully understood it or even was like paying attention like you know how a kid is just like playing with toys on the floor and maybe watch i'll watch the parts with like a police car chasing him or something I could quote things out of context and uh, even watching as an adult, I find it hilarious. And I know I was talking earlier about that, those terrible Southern accents, which are clearly there in that movie, but it is such a cartoon of a movie mm. that it's not based in any sort of reality anyway. And so, yeah, I love the Coen brothers and that's, that's probably not my favorite film of theirs, but it's definitely my favorite comedy of all time. I don't think I ever saw it, so I'm gonna have to go see that. <laughs> oh, oh, Chris! I'm and bad. it's got Nicolas Cage. That's where my love affair with Nicolas Cage started. Do you Cage have a started. favorite Nick Cage movie? Is that not fair? That would be, that would probably still be Raising Arizona. Oh, let's see if I could think of something. The Rock, <laughs> the Rock is uh, I, it's definitely one of my favorite action I movies. Love that movie, that. man! I yeah, it's so bad. It's 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 Michael. Uh, what's his name? Michael Bay's at his best. 
Yeah, he did, and that was pretty early on. That what was that? I think that was like a second movie, and then it just kind of was diminishing returns from there. So I don't know if there's a lot of original bad boys. Fans. The first Transformers movie is enjoy not good, but it's enjoyable. Yeah, I don't think so. it wasn't for me. I don't watch it again and again, but I, I remember <laughs> I, hipsters can like it in an ironic way because it's pop art. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. okay. I I had fun. I remember really not liking John Turturro. In yeah, it. was he? He was in that one, right? He's in some sort of like weird government. Is agent. that the Shia LaBeouf um, Megan Fox one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Nick Cage. I really thought you were gonna go with the adaptation, but Raising Arizona makes more sense. That's probably my favorite uh, performance of his adaptation. Uh, I like. I love his his version of these twin brothers um, of Charlie and, and Donald. I, I've always aspired to be Donald, who is like so positive and so like no matter all the shit that and grief that his more talented brother gives him, he's just got a big smile on his face and he's just so plucky. So, yeah, I, I love that. Movie. I have a, a a good friend from college who's actually in Face Off um, for like. There's like a choir scene or some shit. I don't really remember it. It's been a long time. Uh, but he's, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's scene. my friend Max. He's, <laughs> and he wasn't an actor. He's like just happens to be born and raised in Los Angeles. And I think they filmed it in his high school. And they're like, "You kid, come here." <laughs> like kind of, that's where Nicolas Cage is like groping like an underage girl, very Woody Allen esque. Yeah, and he's. It's funny. His parents are like caterers, but he is the ultimate film nerd. And I know he was like in the process of selling a film podcast, he was like explaining to me how he's going to make money off his film podcast to like some huge company. I was like, what? You could do that. <laughs> but <laughs> says every podcaster, yeah. what make money? I think he actually was because he worked for like the L Ray network or some shit like that. Mm. And he could take some tests to prove that he's a film expert. I don't know. I love he like, he's like you film folks on Twitter. I'm, I'm just like, I get lost. I'm like, what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> The what? But it, it, but it, it, I think Face Off is one of my other. That's probably one of my favorite bad movies. It's pretty goofy. It's it's kind of it's almost like a movie that's just at the end of like that sort of bad sort of trashy eighties action oh, movie God, era. I love them. Uh, Point Break is my yeah. favorite bad movie ever made. I would only take issue with that in you calling it a bad movie. That's it. Because I think it's it's perfect in every respect. <laughs> it might be the casting was on point, right? The oh, I love crazy, crazy love wild car Keanu Reeves and calm, cool, mm-hmm. collective Gary Busey. <laughs> yes, yeah, always calm and collected Gary Busey. I had a film professor that made us watch it, and he's like, "There's always value, even in bad in so-called bad movies," and would show us these like shots they did for some of the action sequences. And he's like. Technically, these are just beautiful shots. And like, you like this movie? Just shut the fuck up. This movie is amazing. There's nothing wrong with this yeah. movie. Catch those waves, bro. Bad movie. It's I awesome. What it. are you talking about? I actually watched it recently. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I do another uh, podcast with our uh, mutual friend uh, Peter oh! of Hydrate Level Four, and uh, called Original Remake. Oh, that is you. We, we watched the original and the remake. I yeah. listened to your Ninja Turtle one. And you're not on that one now that I'm remembering. Yeah, because I'm I, I I grew up on the turtles, but it's like I I remember I was like I have no interest in these these new movies. Yeah, so they're pretty like, good. I'm not by no means an expert. Um, but yeah, the Point Break one. I remember me and Peter. He was like, I guess I'll finally getting around. I'll get around to watching Point Break. And I was like, What? You've not seen Point Break? So that was that's surprising. That was my gift because Peter has seen everything, especially in that time period. I was like, you know, it's that. Yeah, my favorite Peter quote is like Star Wars, uh, Back to the Future is his Star Wars. And I've heard him say that. Yep. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Peter, oh, I love him as well. 
another. Yeah, if you ever podcast with him, if you ever Skype with him, have video on, he's got like his Back to the Future altar behind him. Yeah, all just knows everything about everything. And I don't know if you ever listen to his other podcast, We Got Five, which is hilarious because he knows a lot of stuff, and then Devin doesn't seem to know or like anything, and it just like it cracks <laughs> me the fuck up. I love those two. That's probably a, that's probably a good description there. Yeah. You should you should sit, submit that to their I iTunes description. <laughs> and, and and stuff like I think I'm pretty bad with some of my movie stuff, but he's like, so Devin, have you seen this new movie? Um, I don't know what's a popular movie that everyone's ever seen. I know that he he thinks that the uh, prequels are the best Star Wars movies. I know that's one I of his. Un- he's got to say that on purpose, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not a Star Wars buff, but I saw the prequels or no, the first prequel, and I was just like, that was like watching C-SPAN. Fuck that! I'm never going to see that again. There's not that much fun about watching Trade Federation negotiations. I know that, or like Senate protocol in space. I was joking around. We were watching uh, Batman v Superman. Uh, because my wife had not seen it, so I was playing Game Boy or doing something simultaneously to ignore it. And I was like, the only way that you could ever have a good scene of like court or government is if there's an explosion. Because if there's not, it's it's just like here's some. And let's do an, let's let's do a twenty one uh, chunk of dialogue on trade routes from planets you don't know about. And according to Zack Snyder, you need like a jar of urine or something as well before the explosion. I don't know all sorts of strange details in that movie. Well, my brother told me there's an extended cut that I should watch, which I'm not, that explains it all. I was like, so <laughs> you're telling me that they just took out all of the story? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. They just, for some reason, part of it takes in place in Africa, and we're not sure why. <laughs> Sounds like another great episode of your upcoming movie podcast, or your review of the extended cut. I have cut. seen that movie, and it was garbage. <laughs> Did you cover Silicon Valley for uh, TV 8 My Brain? Was that you? Yeah, yeah, we did like the like the recap of the first. Did you two stick seasons. with that show for the next couple seasons? All three. I uh, I did not. Like me and Chris, oh, so uh, funny. My co-host, we we got together and we did a couple of those like episode recaps, and we were like, "Man, we suck at this. Like this is awful. Like we need like." Clearly, we got used to the format of War Machine versus War Horse, where there's three movies to discuss, mm-hmm. and it's like we can do that for an mm-hmm. hour because we've got th- you know we've got six hours of material, but like twenty five minutes of material to discuss for like half hour. We were like, it's like so how you know how's your week been, Chris? And we're like, ah, oh, this is this is awful. So yeah, we, I, I would have to stick to season long recaps of something oh, like that, that. That show is fucking brilliant. I fucking oh, I love it so much. I think it's one of my I love Mike Judge. Like Idiocracy is fucking great. Uh, what else has he made? I think that might be the only movie he ever did. Office Space. You got to go to Office Space. Yeah. He did another one with uh, Ben Affleck in a terrible wig, like playing a bartender, but it's got uh, Jason Bateman in the lead role called uh, Extract. And it's pretty funny. Okay. It's pretty good. Man, Bateman is like one of those dudes who's just in everything, like from like Teen Wolf 2 to uh, Hancock. Yeah, it's like he, uh, you know, he got, I guess he cooled down from his youth to like middle age, but post like arrested development, he has like churned out movie roles and comedies. He is, he is all, and over they're the not place. good. A lot of them are terrible. Cashing those checks though. It's better than writing fan fiction. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not one of those people who make fun of me. Good for him, man. It's, <laughs> it's art is hard. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Going back to that De Palma quote, it's hard. It's hard it's to just do. It's fucking hard. And it, they're not, they're not all going to be uh, hits, if you will. Do you feel that way with podcasts? Like, do you get oh, to yeah. like the end of an episode where you're like, especially with you, where you have guests on yeah. Oh, yeah. and you're just, you know, you're chatting, you know, if you, if you don't release it, 
you know, it's kind of an insult to them. Where you're just like, this wasn't even interesting enough to, to to put out no, there. I, the, on, the only time I've ever, no, I've never done that, but I've, in some rare instances, if I think it was really terrible, I'll uh, do a double release that week. And and then sometimes I have to do two a week just to get things moving. But there's been one or two times mm-hmm. where I'm like, well, I'll just, I'll throw it up there on a Thursday and I won't really promote it and it goes into the I can't I cannot wait to see this episode up on a Thursday and then I'll know I'll <laughs> and then know I don't tweet about, about it, it and I don't say anything You're like what <laughs> I don't have to, did I just give away too much but I that that hasn't actually happened in a very long time because I think I finally hit the stride of getting better people well you know I'll I'll retweet it as the worst episode ever of let's chat I will take That's that a good title reference. It, well played yeah yeah. Worst episode ever. Uh, I don't know if I have a good or bad at my worst episode. I don't. Do you guys think you have one either? Because it's also like it's also a free thing. So it's, can can you actually quantify it being good or bad? I'm like, it's just too. It's like this is basically the equivalent of you and I having coffee and never yeah. meeting. So I guess it's I'm having a ton of fun. But I guess that's that's all I ever really want at the end of it is I want it to be fun. But like, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes when you have someone who has know. something to promote and they want to talk about their thing and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> Let's talk about this other thing. But that doesn't happen too often. Yeah, when it comes to like a movie podcast, I've found that the more passionate someone is about movie, like uh, if they like love it or hate it, those make for like weaker episodes. Yep. Because I – and I have problems with that too. Like if it's a film that I just adore, like uh, you know, if I'm doing – roadhouse which we've never done on the show it would just be me slobbering all over the film Mm -hmm. like giving a sloppy wet kiss but if it's a film like la la land where it's like i like parts of it but i didn't like this you know you have something to actually talk about yeah yeah it's like the echo chamber like i was talking uh like when you get a group of people who are all on the same page politically and they just kind of scream about how they agree (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah my wife's boss calls that the uh just the chorus he's like stop preaching to the choir so like the echo i call it the echo chamber when you're like i also hate this thing me too and like i'm not always interested in that i want new ideas i want one it's kind of boring but um so before we uh wrap it up is there anything we missed i i just kind of looked at the clock i can't believe that was an hour hour 12 go us I mean, I'm, you know, anytime you have me on a podcast, I miss something. So, yeah, I'm just going to say yeah. yes. Categorically, yes. I, I think we're not here to I drop the ball and something. How many podcasts do you have? Just the two? Yeah, I guess uh, I, once a month I'm on uh, the True Bromance Film Podcast. They have a segment called Bromancing the Classics where I come on and discuss not a new movie, but uh, something uh, in their format that all men should see, or has been designated appropriately, I guess, masculine or broy. Mm. Um, and then I'm on occasionally on pop culture case study just for those little new release episodes. If I've happened to, to see the film, but since Dave lives out near San Francisco, he gets to see stuff a lot earlier than me. So I've not been on for a while and it's probably because I suck, That's but he, he blames it on me being in Kentucky, but I think he just doesn't want me on the show That's anymore. But, um, yeah, original remake with Peter. Uh, we occasionally do those where we discuss an original film and it's remake. You can find that on followingfilms.com, iTunes, the Twitter's at Original Remake, and then my main show is War Machine vs. Warhorse, where a new release inspires a conversation about two older films with a similar theme but different approaches. So, like for The Comedian, the episode that I've now just booked you for, uh, we'll be looking at films about struggling comedians. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do... Uh, 
you know, don't think twice, but uh, I'll have to figure out the, the I other I will one. actually see but, the comedian uh, now, which is cool. good. Yeah, I think that comes out in early February. I, I do want to see um, that because De Niro actually did stand up for it. Yeah, and that's I, I tell you what, like you were talking about earlier, it's like that is that is pretty brave for a dramatic actor to, and, to sort and of a dabble known, in that. But he's been doing and a that. known actor, yeah. you know, like he can't go up there yeah. and like I can go bomb and no one's gonna give a shit. But he's Robert De Niro. Everyone's gonna YouTube that shit immediately. So yeah, tweet out what a jackass yeah, he is for trying try something new in his old age. Yeah, well, at least well, um, at least it's not the intern, which I did not see, but it looked terrible. It was not that good, yeah. not that good. But uh, you know what? He was obviously he was the best thing about it. He was he was pretty good. Him and Anne Hathaway were perfectly charming in a really shitty film. How unlikable so. is she? I mean, I find her to be one of the most unlikable people. Oh, he's you know I hear that, but I don't. I've never felt that she's no Gwyneth Paltrow. Ooh. She has that. Uh, I think Anne Hathaway has that that try hard sort of persona. She's Lisa Simpson essentially. She's yeah, okay. yeah, and that rubs people's well, wrong now I like way, her again. I guess, but. <laughs> Take good. back one of Paltrow. <laughs> I uh, I want to also take back that I missed anything because I actually accomplished my mission, which was to get you to like Anne good. Hathaway. That's really She's my great purpose Batman, on the internet. So, happy. <laughs> so if you want to hear me uh, lust after, uh, I guess Lisa Simpson, which I just now figured out because I never put I that just comparison made it up. together. I'm, I'm really proud Anne of Hathaway. Myself. Yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm a big fan of Anne Hathaway, and you can find my Anne Hathaway fan club on Twitter at War Machine Horse. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. So, yeah, hopefully you check out the fan show. Fiction where you find? <laughs> do you go back and write old movies and find a way to throw Anne Hathaway characters in there? Sure. Yeah, I, I could do that. I, I'm, you know what? But like you said, there's probably already like multiple pages doing that. I'm probably, I've probably been beaten to the punch uh, on Anne Hathaway fandom, but I like her. I, I like people who try hard at things. Good for her. Hey guys, this is JD from the Incession Film Podcast. Every week on our show, you can join my co-host Brendan and I as we review the latest films that's out in theaters. It also inspires us to discuss a top three list of some sort, and we have a lot of other fun movie discussions as well. It's always a blast. And we also have a show on Fridays called our Extra Film Podcast. This is a show that gives us the space to talk about the latest indies and art films and other classics that we normally just don't get to talk about on our main show. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and more. In fact, you can just see everything about us, including our social medias at IncessionFilm.com. So join us every week. We'd absolutely love to have you.